Hello, my name is Brian Martin and you are listening to Season 3, Episode 4 of the Running Technique Tips podcast. Um, this season we're talking all things cross-country and road racing and training. Lisa Biffin joining me now from Sydney. How are you going, Lisa? I'm, yeah, I'm adjusting to the winter that has set in. I've got my fire on and I'm in my Ugg boots. <laughs> So I'm pretty cosy, actually. Oh, very good. I'm slightly cold, actually, in my study at Ballarat, uh, wrapped in a blanket. I've got my beanie on, the hydronic heater's running, but it's still not it's not warm enough to make it make an adequate difference. Uh, well, I think we should really start by asking, how are you? Because last week we left, we weren't sure what type of Brian we were going to get this week. You were having to actually endure a full five days of full-time work, plus commuting, plus fitting everything in. You were back to being a life or a person who lives the life of the rest of us. <laughs> Indeed. And yeah, I'm not quite, I'm not 100% sure how I would describe myself tonight. Yeah, philosophical, Brian. It's, it's going okay. And I got through, I got through that week and managed to do some running, not a huge amount of running, but managed to start to piece together some sort of routine that would give me some confidence that I will be able to maintain at least some level of, of training through the next few months as I adjust um, back into the workforce and more particularly this uh, longish commute <laughs> that I'm undertaking. Yeah. And how are you doing that? Because you know, like we talk a lot to our audience, which we're calling mid-packers, back-of-the-packers, which, you yeah. know, as ourselves, but just, you know, general public who are not um, elite athletes or semi-elite and have to try and squeeze in most of the training on the weekend. <laughs> and now that you've got winter and like most places in the world, when it gets to winter, it means dark weather. So talk us through how that's all coming together. <laughs> is it coming well, together, actually? No, look, it is. And I think it's it's good that you raise that, this question about, well, you know, if you are time poor and I'm time poor because of my commute, but other people like yourself are time poor because they have commitments to their children or um, they have a job that goes for very long hours and, and other things. And I think the thing that I've just been trying to tell myself is to, yes, I want to maintain my running at some semblance of a half decent level of training but I'm not going to do that at the expense of adding ridiculous amounts of stress to myself because obviously that's a pathway to getting sick or injured or burnt out so whatever I'm planning to do and have been able to do running wise particularly over the last week and and the way I'm going to approach the next few months is to just make the running a stress reliever rather than a additional source of stress in my life. So I'm, I'm taking a leaf out of Dr. Mark Kukazella's approach, which is, yeah, running is recovery from life um, rather than making running an extra stress that you have to then try and recover from. So that's sort of sort of my overriding philosophy. <laughs> and in terms of how am I coping with, yes, it's dark in the morning and I have to get up early to get my runs done. Well, if you remember we're talking about head torches and Iron Man <laughs> Iron chest <Man>. lights. <laughs> but I did get my, my head torch did arrive and you're right, it's near next to useless for running, but it's very good for walking the dog in the dark. I uh, see. You need to be Iron Man. I actually went to see the Avengers during the week and I had a giggle when Iron Man uh, <laughs> popped up. But uh, I did, we didn't actually post up the the Iron Man little contraption that I use and we will. Honestly, it's so good. Yeah, I, I can see why it would work because, yeah, obviously with the, the head torch, the, the light's bouncing around a lot more, which can be quite discombobulating when you're when you're running in the dark and trying to keep an eye on where your footing is going and yeah I must admit I did put my foot in a in a crevasse that had washed out after a big rain event during the week because I, I just didn't see it so um, as a response to that because I haven't had a chance to look into the Iron Man light as yet <laughs> <laughs> I've basically just been running around the streets of Ballarat and just effectively running on the road under the street lights which is which is actually more than enough light to to light a pathway and not trip over and, and hurt myself. So there's going to be a lot more jogging around on hard surfaces, which possibly not ideal, but I guess the volume of it is and the intensity of it is not going to be so high that I think I'm going to 
be at risk of injury and, and look, maybe it'll be good for conditioning my legs a little bit for uh, some of the road racing later in the season and, and ultimately the marathon at the end of the season. Can we just um, touch on that actually? And it's mm. such a good point that you bring up because I go from training on you know, as much soft surface as I can when it, when it's a light summer months and then now that we're in the dark, like a Tuesday night we do hills or fartlek but it's all on the roads and then my long runs because they're done in the dark as well on a Wednesday is all on the roads and Thursday I'm on the track. I guess it's probably something that us sort of mid-packers who aren't training all the time do need to be quite careful of and I know tonight was our first hill session back and on the roads and I consciously made the decision to sort of pull the intensity back because I was actually feeling quite good but in my mind I just thought well hang on I'm back on the hard surface I've actually run 20 kilometers today all up but broken run but it's all been on the concrete and I usually respond quite well to the concrete but I think Mm. it's something that you really need to consider dial back that intensity in the first few weeks and then you know on the weekends maybe get back onto the soft surfaces if you can definitely and it's a good it's a good time to think about rotating your shoes as well if you're running on the same sort of unrelenting surface to give your body a bit of a break and something else to deal with and potentially depending on what you like in your shoes and what suits you thinking about maybe rotating into a shoe with a little bit more cushion perhaps than what you use on a softer surface. That's that's sort of something I've been thinking about this week as well as just switching the shoes around a little bit more since I'm going to be on that sort of flat, unrelenting hard surface. Well, I actually got a, bought a new pair of shoes and they, they turned up, which I ran in them on the weekend, uh, and they felt amazing. But it's funny because often, um, you know, our group has a really big group that trains through summer and then we get to winter and you notice, and I don't know whether it's a combination of you doing longer training and it's, you know, darker and colder, but people start to drop off more and more just with <laughs> niggles. Yeah. And I really think there is such a strong correlation between that change of surface because normally in the winter, sorry, in the summer months, it's daylight. So we're doing fartleks through the park or we're on a nice grass oval. And then, yeah. you know, we're doing our Wednesday long runs and it's again through the park on the soft trails. And then you just sort of have this cutover on one day and you're instantly transported onto the hard concrete. So there's a, a pretty strong correlation between those niggles and the timing of it mm. each year. That could be true. Now, that's all very interesting, Lisa, but you did say something about new shoes, so why don't you tell me about that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, since sort of changing around over the last couple of years and then coming back to my Adidas Adios 4s, I actually just can't move past them. And Mm. so I got another pair and I thought that I got black ones, but I opened the box and they were white. So (laughs) but they're they're just – do you know what? You know when you find a shoe that just fits you like a glove, it's like my little Cinderella slipper. So I'm just finding it really hard to move on from that at the moment. Last year I experimented. I went to you know ASICs. I think I went to – I had Nike in there. But I just keep coming back to these Adidas shoes. So yes. if it's not broke, don't mm. fix it, right? Absolutely. Perfect Lisa shoes. <laughs> exactly. So, so anyway, I, I hijacked how you were going in your weekend. Yes, that's all right. Sorry, I got <laughs> distracted by a new shoes, bright, shiny thing. Always enjoy a good new shoe conversation. Anyway, so getting back to, maybe I'll just tell you a little bit about how the week panned out, but I didn't get overly ambitious on, on the Monday. I just took the Monday off and I thought, yeah, okay, I've got, en- got enough to deal with just with work. On the Tuesday, I dragged myself out for a little under half an hour, which ended up being five kilometres. And th- th- these runs, I just did them basically as aerobic and as easy as possible, getting back to that thing about minimising stress, like knowing that you're on the clock and you've got to make the train just adds that little bit of extra stress to the whole event. So I didn't want to kind of make it any worse by trying to push the pace or anything so it was 130 low 130s heart rate average maybe 550 ish kilometer pace wednesday wasn't a running day <laughs> but I, I think that was had to be at work at a particular time so it just wasn't going to work out so skip that one thursday was another 
just under half an hour, so just ticked off another 5K at about 129 heart rate, and I think that was a little bit quicker, maybe 540s. And Friday, I just did the same thing again. It was literally, I've, I, I can get half an hour done, so that's what I'm going to do. So I did another 5K. That one was a little bit faster. I think it was 532s and a 134 heart rate average. So doesn't sound like much, but I think it was actually important just to try and get two or three runs out during the week just so I didn't completely load up my weekend trying to trying to run too much and be too much of a weekend warrior so mm-hmm. and you know just doing half an hour can at least help kind of maintain a level of fitness and it kind of felt like that's how it went and which brought me up to Saturday and that was I actually just went to park run because I thought that'd be a good soothing thing to do after after the week of work and the commute and yeah just rolled down to park run at Victoria Park in Ballarat and same thing again I just cruised around fairly comfortably ended up running twenty six seventeen or thereabouts and look I've I probably went a little bit over my aerobic during that I think I averaged one hundred and thirty eight heart rate and I think the pace was probably about. 5.14, so okay. not bad pace, um, mm. not super high heart rate or anything, but, yeah, just nice and comfortable. And then I just jogged another lap of Victoria Park after park run to give myself 10Ks, so a little under an hour's worth of running on the Saturday. And, yeah, but I tell you, you can really tell that winter is setting in in Ballarat when you go you go down to park run and it's cold and I had the full long pants, long long top, gloves, uh, little earmuffs <laughs> and yeah it was pretty chilly down there and and you, you know the leaves are starting to fall off the trees and you just got that misty kind of really cold light northern hemisphere listeners will know exactly what i'm talking about it's that kind of really wintry feel where the, the light's got that kind of murky quality so that's what it was like at victoria park on uh, on saturday so it was what a are fairly- the numbers like in winter, have we got the hardened Ballarat spirit that people still come out? Or? Yeah, they look, they look, they're definitely coming out. I, I can't remember exactly how many ran on the weekend, but I think the week before it was something like 200 in Ballarat. So oh, wow. they're getting really very strong strong numbers at Park Run. And, yeah, lot, lots of different people getting out and about. I even saw a couple of Mormon mis- missionaries running <laughs> park run, park run. One of them in jeans and wow. full full casual attire, and he finished he just behind you? me. So oh, just behind no, me. not quite. Yeah, he's probably about five seconds behind me. But yeah, it was. Uh, is, is all sorts of people at it at it park run on a on a Saturday morning. Hey, you mentioned last week that it was kicking off the Athletics Victoria cross country season. Yes. Did you have any desire to go down, or you were just absolutely wrecked after your first week? I didn't have any desire to go anywhere, so uh, yeah, I think the um, the sensible option was just yeah, just do park run and run a, run another five k's after that. Would have you know had a, had I not been commuting or working, yeah, I would have been all over that Gels Park. Realised that would have been a really good fun event to do, but having been back and forth to Melbourne all week, the last thing I wanted to do was uh, to go back there again on the Saturday. Which yeah, as getting back to the let's not add excess stress principle uh, probably would have been <laughs> would have could have been a straw that broke the camel's back so yeah I was happy to avoid that and look at you know on the weekend it was kind of good actually to do some non-running stuff so I was out and about at the uh, Creswick Booktown Festival with my wife so we're just uh, checking out some of the events there a very eclectic cultural event close to Ballarat listen to you Lots you giant of- book nerd <laughs> Yeah, that's right. So it was good to get some uh, stimulus other than running. And yeah, so it was good to do that running stuff in the morning and uh, then go and sort of relax during the uh, the latter part of Saturday. And I rounded out the week with a really nice long run through the forest up at the Dalesford High Performance Centre. So that was uh, like an hour and 41 minutes. So that was a good chunk of time. And I covered just short of 19 kilometres in that over some hills, averaged 139 heart rate, and my pace was pretty, pretty actually pretty good for that that course. It was sort of about 528 kilometer pace average, which my GPS was is trying to. My GPS is very inaccurate when it comes to elevation gains, but it's sort of suggesting that there's about 205 meters of climbing, which actually in the, on this occasion sounds about right. Mm. 
a lot of climbing in that section, lots of up and down, so really good kind of cross-country training and conditioning and also just great being in the forest because it was quite windy and quite cold, like mm. big southerly wind blowing and in amongst the trees you could feel it but it was nowhere near as bad as if I was out running on the running on the road as I'd done through most of last winter. So mm. I think I'm that's, definitely yeah. going to keep pushing that run out through the forest um, and maybe push that out to about two hours as the, the weeks go on. I think that's one of the biggest things I miss about living in the middle of a city is just immersing yourself and getting lost on a forest run because you can easily, you know, you just do an hour 41. That's effortless in the in the trees, but running around the towns can get a bit tedious sometimes doing yeah, loops at the same yeah, oval. Just, it seems so much longer. Um, <laughs> yes. And I've been gradually building up the courage to try and take on this quite long loop that I've been eyeing off. I chickened out a bit actually because I got 9Ks into this run and I thought, uh, I've been running now for um, probably close to 50 minutes and I thought if I try and do the, the whole loop, this could end up being a two-hour 20 run. So I just basically did an out and back. But I think next week or the week after I'll try and do the complete loop, which I think might only be might only take me out to about two hours um, or thereabouts. But, mm. yeah, be uh, I've just been identifying some really nice loops through the forest and they're going to be going to be really good mainstays through the winter season so i'll be doing mm. more of that i've got a question for you so mm. you ditched the canberra full and you were an absolute no for gold coast have you got an event in mind that you're targeting a single event well a single yeah, event yes or? and no yes and no look I, I basically i think i might have mentioned that my goal was to try and do as many of these of the Athletics Victoria cross-country events as I can. Might have, might have to scale that back a little bit now, <laughs> given changed circumstances. You're zero from one so far. Um, so <laughs> yeah, but should be able to get a few of those in. But the basic principle that I wanted to kind of follow over the course of the cross-country and road racing season was to really work on my lactate threshold fitness. I think there's clearly a bit of a weakness there or something that I can work on which will help me in events of sort of 10k and up to 15k but also for the marathon in the long term which is definitely an event I feel like I've underachieved at, at this point <laughs> so the the event if I, if you had to say which event would you really like to do well in it would probably be the 10k at Sandown which is on the 6th of July actually no sorry that's the wrong one I, it's actually at Albert Park I was just mm. having a flashback to the past when the 10k used to be at Sandown but yeah, that's, sorry, it's on the 14th of July at Albert Park. So I think if I can run a – I'd be happy to run a good 10K and that would be a little bit of a measure about whether I've managed to improve that kind of threshold-type fitness over the course of the next couple of months. Mm, okay, so you've got a few months. You've got to get yourself sorted on this whole uh, job commute thing yep. and you need to get yourself an Ironman light and uh, then Brian will yes. be training himself to the 10K. <laughs> yes, that's right, that's right. So what were your Ks? Um, what were your Ks in the end for the week? Oh, for the week, total for the week was it was about 43Ks, which I was actually really happy with because that oh. was – Pretty much, I think that was actually a couple of Ks more than I did the week before. And it doesn't sound like much, but it's still, it's not bad. That's, that's, that's something where you could just at least not be losing fitness, I think, at that level of training. So my plan uh, in this week we're talking about now and what are we, what is it, Tuesday night we're recording. So I think this week I'll probably be able to run about 50 Ks because I'm, I'm just having worked out a few things with a commute and work and so forth that I should be able to get slightly more running done in the morning, um, which will mean that hitting 50K shouldn't be too much of a stretch this week, I think. Mm. Okay. Well, 40Ks on the board, you're maintaining fitness. Um, you notice I, I thought we were going to get the worse Brian than what we've got, so uh, <laughs> I'll take that as no. a win. <laughs> it's definitely a win. And look, I should mention one of the things I'm going to be figuring out is I think previously I'd mentioned I was going to try and work on this more of a 10-day-ish cycle yeah. um, yep. where I'm sort of trying to do something of substance every three days. Look, that's that's pretty much has to go out the window now. And 
I just need to come up with a slightly different strategy about how I'm going to get my long runs in, get some threshold stuff in and do that in a way that that doesn't break me given everything else is going on. And look, one of the strategies I've been thinking about is just making, definitely making the long run more of a session type event. Mm -hmm. And I kind of trialed that a little bit on the weekend with very much staying on the couch to use use the Julian Spence vernacular for the first hour or more and then just kind of working it into more of a marathon intensity heart rate range in the last sort of 30 to 40 minutes of the long run. And what that kind of means is basically maintaining pace throughout, throughout the long run. Whereas probably last year I was fairly addicted to trying to stick to my heart rate and that meant later in some of the long runs really I was slowing down and from a psychological perspective at least I'm not sure <laughs> that's a good way to train for for the marathon so with that in the back of my mind that I will be running the marathon at the end of the year not with any huge expectations but just want to kind of train myself to to main, maintain my pace late in those runs and it goes does give me kind of like a low level sort of sub threshold sub anaerobic thresholdy type workout and for the second I'll probably try and do a more intense threshold session during the week so I'm going to have a go at trying to do one of those tomorrow morning so given the time constraints it's probably more likely to be an unbroken 20 minutes or something like that rather than uh, lots of broken up interval type stuff because that'll just take too long. So I'm going to sort of try and see how I feel with that in the morning and potentially I'll be able to get something done at heart rates more in the kind of 150s range for that midweek one and up to an hour and then yeah on the weekend uh, long runs with more solid paced finished at the ends and, and that's probably as much as I'm going to be able to do I think in terms of a intensity in my training structure. I don't know how you do it at 5am. I'm absolutely useless in the mornings. I'm lucky if I can get out a six minute kilometre. Yeah, morning, <laughs> the mornings and I are not friends. <laughs> well, I've, I've still got Charlotte the Wonder Dog to walk so that's my warm up so I, d- I don't have to leap out of bed and run at five o'clock. I kind of you know get out of bed and stroll around the block with the dog and have a coffee and then head out for a run so it's a uh, it's a slightly less inhumane time by the time the running shoes go on and I head out the door. But yeah, it, it is a little bit challenging. But I just as I've gotten older, I've just found it easier to get up in early anyway. So um, I think it is something that I'm going to be able to adjust to because I've been habitually a person that's been getting up at six or even a little bit before that for the last few years. So it's not oh a gosh, huge old man Brian. Um, change to my regular routine. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, do you want to hear about my week and my 10K? I do. I do. You've had an interesting week. (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, actually, I've had quite a good week, to be honest. The previous week, I was uh, in Melbourne and I'd mentioned how I was quite tired and sleeping a lot. And uh, this week, I was actually feeling quite good and quite rested. I mean, I was leading into the 10K on Sunday, sorry, on Saturday that I wanted to do the Sydney 10. And I had said that I wanted to run a 37-something, just wasn't quite fit enough to hit the 36s. So I had a pretty cruisy week leading into it. I did a fartlek on the Tuesday, very easy double on the Wednesday, broken into two 7K runs. On when, sorry, on Thursdays when I went to see the Avengers. And so I did a quick session beforehand on a grass oval near us. And the grass was like, it was perfect to look at and amazing to lie on, but awful to run on. It was like this spongy green mattress. So I pretty much gave up on even caring about what pace I was running on because I just didn't want to run myself into the ground trying to hit you know pointless times before a race so my session was three by 800 meters with a 200 meter float so effectively three k's of effort and the first 200s were meant to be at an easy pace and then the last 800 was uh, meant to be at goal race pace but I didn't even get close I, I was running them in between they averaged about four minute 15 kilometer pace and you know what that is what it is, right? Like it's, well, I don't know how you feel, but often that pre-race session feels pretty 
crappy anyway. It uh, does. And look, running on grass in your um, in your trainers or whatever is not exactly the, especially if it's soft, squishy grass, that's not going to give you anything back. So, yeah, it's, it's, no. you're going to have to work harder for any kind of pace. Yeah, no, exactly. So, um, anyway, look, I just ticked a box, got it done, went and watched the Avengers, got sliders and a giant chocolate sundae. <laughs> Perfect pre-race fueling. <laughs> Very, very good. Um, carb, carb loading, so back on the sugar, loading. that's good. <laughs> so, so that was really good. Anyway, race day on Saturday and I was I was so rested from my week off the week before and I was so pumped to run this race that I warmed up and, you know, that was fine and did my strides and got onto the start line and it was a, actually a really fantastic, like, participated event this year. Often it can be quite low in numbers, but this year they had about 2,000 runners, which was fantastic to see because it is a, a really good course and conditions were ideal. If there was ever a day you're going to run a PB, this was it. No wind, you know, I think it was about maybe 13 or 14 when we ran. So it was just perfect. Anyway, uh, I wanted to run sort of 347 pace because 347 gave me, I think, a 39.50 and I felt pretty comfortable in being able to hit that. But something kind of happened when uh, the gun went off and I just had this brain snap. I don't really know what happened. And I took off like I was in a 100-metre race (laughs) and, oh, gosh, Brian, earlier this year we were talking about pacing strategies and we put up a video on our Instagram about how I was in a 3k race with a whole bunch of young girls and they all took off in the first 200 meters and I was last by about 50 meters and I eventually um, caught most of them up. So this instance, I was the young girl (laughs) who went off like a firecracker. I went through the first 300 meters in 61 seconds and that's like 317 pace. I I don't know what happened and I effectively ruined my 10-kilometre race in the first 300 metres. I ended up running a 3.37 first K and I actually didn't have any of this data at the time because I just had my um, my watch on heart rate and my heart rate was still low but, gosh, it was within the first kilometre. And I just – I hit two kilometres and, you know, when you just – your body fills with lactic – And then you're just like this negative pool of just uh, awful thoughts. And I was just, I turned into this like negative beast. I was thinking, I don't want to do this. I'm not fit enough. Why am I here? This is ridiculous. And this went on pretty (laughs) pretty early in the race to be going into hanging on mode, which is effectively what happens when once you go lactic, it's just you can you can only hang on from there, right? (laughs) It was awful, and I was that person that didn't pass a single person, but everybody else went past me, and I find that so demoralising. (laughs) So once I got over that sort of, I guess when the lactic started to ease off a little bit. Look, I held on and I I continued and I finished and my final time was 38.32, which was actually the quickest I have run since I was about 22. So, you know, it's it's a new age PB and so that was good, but... You know, it, it's possibly the most painful way to run a 10K. It was, sounds, sounds horrible. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was – look, if there's one – or I can take a few positives out of it in that, you know, I hate – so, for example, the um, the half marathon in Canberra that uh, we did recently and how I had a skyrocketing heart rate and I just felt awful from the beginning and I really couldn't work out why apart from I was probably just tired and run down. This race was – all me to blame and was completely ruined by my own stupidity of being just a moron out of the out of the blocks but I was quite happy that I managed to reverse my pool of negativity and turn it around and you know start to just think of things like you know relax just work through it try not to fall too far off the back of certain people that I would pick out throughout the race and I would just break the race down into little 1k or two two kilometer snippets but my k splits they just went the wrong way 337 was my first k split and then I actually continued to work backwards up until a four minute k split at the ninth kilometer (laughs) and uh, then I brought it home for a 350 in the last k but I highly do not recommend banking time And look, the pace that I set off at was, you know, I know that my first K split was a 337, but 
as I said, looking at the first two to 300 metres, which was so incredibly ridiculous, like that's going out at about 32 and a half minute pace. What was I thinking? I wasn't thinking. I don't know. What were you thinking? (laughs) I just got so excited. Like I was so pumped to race and it's actually really uncharacteristic of me. So anyway, I think we sometimes need a few failures to pull ourselves back into line and get back on the straight and narrow. So the moral of the story is keep the handbrake on, Lisa. Oh, gosh, keep the handbrake on. And, you know, when I finished, there was a few people who were a couple in in my club and then just some other people that you you become familiar with as you can, you know, you run around the, the same type of races and a couple of them finished in the ballpark that I, actually felt like I could have finished in sort of 35, 45 to, sorry, 37, 45 to 37 sort of 50s. Mm-hmm. And they all glided past me at about 8Ks. And that's a better way to run. <laughs> Not, yep. uh, yeah, be the hero and be in front of everyone for 8Ks and then crawl to the finish line on your hands and knees. So it was, I don't know, it was just so stupid. <laughs> Oh, well, at least you didn't yeah. end up in the medical tent, so that's a plus. <laughs> no, but look, do you know, it, it's what's pleasing is that I guess I, I'm fit. I've sort of said that for the last few weeks. So, you know, I ruined myself and my race in the first few hundred metres but was able to run home to a respectable and, as I said, you know, like a, a new age PB for me. So bank it, I'm going to store it, I'm going to remember it and I'm doing a 10K in about oh, four weeks five weeks. So uh, I will definitely be running out a lot more conservatively. (laughs) Sells my 10K. And then I backed that up on Sunday with a uh, 15K, 78 minutes, 5.15 pace, super low heart rate, 139, and ended up with 76Ks for the week. So I'm going along quite well. I've been super diligent with my boring rehab hip exercises. It's feeling pretty good. My amazing physio this week. So I'm hoping that um, I'll continue to go from strength to strength. So just a question on your case. You were talking in the aftermath of the Canberra about your mileage had basically been up at your marathon level, almost at peak mileage at about 80 Ks a week. And it sounds like you're back up there again. So what's going on? I thought you were going to back off a bit. Yeah. So I'm not getting into the danger zone because I'm doing these doubles where I'm really struggling is when I'm doing those consecutive long runs. So on Tuesday, I'm doubling. I actually run into work. So that gets me, uh, depends which route I take, either six or seven Ks. I do a session in the evening. Wednesdays, I double. I do a sort of a 10 and an 8K or a 12 and a 6. And then I'm getting, the, the I guess, a, anywhere between sort of like a 15 and an 18 on the Saturday and Sunday. So the Ks, like the, the weekly volume is up there, but I'm just not doing those consecutive runs. And that's honestly when I start to feel the pain. So doing these doubles, I'm not really getting into much um, trouble. That's good. Working for you, keep going. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So like what you were saying with your Sundays had turning into sort of the third session of the week, we spoke about it last week and that's what I'm going to do as well. Not every week, maybe sort of every second or third week to try and get, you know, that 20, 21 Ks into the legs, but still not going over 90 minutes. I was actually thinking about your third session comment during the week and when I was editing the podcast, actually, and I thought, oh, I should have actually said something about that when you were talking. But I don't know whether I did say that, but when I was editing, I was thinking I probably should have sent something like, if you're going to do that faster long run on the weekend, um, it, you'd probably have to back off one of your um, your midweek sessions, I think, because doing the, doing the three in the week might potentially be a bit of a bit of a risk. Do you think backing it off before it or do you think maybe going in so if I do the Sunday quicker one then the following Tuesday is when I normally do another session maybe make that one an easier Mm, session yeah potentially you could Mm. you could try both I guess and see which one your body likes better Mm, mm. okay well food for thought I think if you just if you do just do end up doing your long run as a third session that might be something that might break you down over over a few weeks so Mm. Having a bit of light and shade in there might be worth considering, I think. Yeah, well, I'm planning on doing like that quicker Sunday, but then the next week is following my down week. You know how I was talking about doing sort of the two on, one down? So then that 
that down week is both reduced volume and intensity. So look, yeah. this is all a bit of trial and error, but yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. always. Well, that's all you, that's all you can <laughs> yeah. do. You just got to sort of keep trying stuff and, and see how your body reacts and if it works and keep doing it. Mm, exactly. So um, I'm always up open for suggestions. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm always happy to make suggestions, even whether they're welcome or not. <laughs> uh, very good. So... What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about a cross-country and road racing season plan or non-plan, as the case may be. Is that what we're going to have a chat about today? Uh, we certainly are. So we thought, given this is our topic of or this particular season, and have a bit of a chat about how do you go about planning a, a road race and, and cross-country season. And I know that, Brian, you're not a big planner but sometimes you need to have a few rough sketches so that you don't just turn up and you know kill yourself every week or you don't actually eventually peak for anything yes yes that's true all right well let's let's delve into that a little bit after this So I must confess, Lisa, that um, I'm definitely in the less <laughs> the less planning camp, as you would expect, um, in relation to to planning out my cross country and road racing season. And look, part of that's circumstantial due to changes in life circumstance. So I'm going to not overthink it. Um, but even before that happened, I was I was pretty prepared just to kind of roll along and essentially follow the available races that were scheduled in either by Athletics Victoria or my local club, Eureka, in Ballarat. And I, I think for kind of like a mid to backpacker, that's not an unreasonable thing to do and it's perfectly legitimate to kind of cruise your way through the season and maybe not necessarily have a specific goal race in mind and and as we've talked about a couple of times just let those kind of races uh, or let your races be training and let them accumulate fitness throughout the course of the season and and you probably find that you'll have some pretty good results even following that kind of non-plan plan. <laughs> However, I can I can certainly see the benefit and necessity if you are trying to to do a a high performance for yourself, whatever your level is, to having a bit a little bit more structure about what you're trying to achieve. So, given you're the structured one, maybe, maybe mm. you could you could tell me how you're going to structure that, and then maybe I can counter with a little bit about what I think my main goal race is, which I just described, even even though it's not a not a huge deal, but trying to do a good 10K performance in that July race. How are you going to approach your main goals for the season, Lisa, and, and structure your training accordingly? So I guess my... My main goal has changed, you know, it was going to be the marathon on the Gold Coast and we spoke last week how now I'm downgrading that to the half marathon. But one of the things that I'm definitely going to do, which I didn't do during a marathon phase and I think is really hard to do, is I am going to race hard in a lot of races more often rather than, and they're going to be varying distances, rather than in the marathon where it was, you know, this quite structured 12 to 14 week block and I pinpointed races, but I use them simply as training rather than sort of tapering for them and then um, trying to get a performance. So I have got a, a couple of different races scattered throughout this calendar. Uh, the 10K, which I did on the weekend and I, I did taper for. I've also got a cross-country relay, which is four kilometres. I'm not actually going to taper for that one. I am going to use it as a bit of a really hard training hit out. And then I've got uh, another 5K park run that I'm going to do in there as a performance. And then I'm going to do another 10K and then lead into the half marathon. But I guess the main thing around, excuse me, this plan is putting variety of um, distances and terrains 
tapering for them and not trying to sort of use them as tempo efforts like I was doing in the marathon um, so that I can actually try and, you know, maybe get close to some PBs, run some PBs and really give sort of, you know, 100% in them as opposed to that sort of 80% like I was doing previously. So it's it probably is a little bit of a non-plan-ish, like it's not as structured as the marathon. But, yeah, I think the main thing is to get a few races in over different distances, not just turning up every week to, say, park run, running the same distance and the same course because you're going to find that really difficult to really improve or, or test yourself out on different surfaces. So, yeah, I really like what you're saying about the variation in surfaces and race distance. I think that really does provide a fairly amazing stimulus for fitness. And I recall from yeah, years ago when I did do a full cross-country season that really you really do get very strong and, and very fit when you're racing over 6Ks, 8Ks, um, 12Ks, even up to I think in the – the complete season that I did, I might have even run a ten mile in in that season, and probably a fifteen k or something or something of that nature as well. So it does does definitely get you quite fit. So I like the strategy of different distances, different terrain, uh, and that provides the opportunity to do that kind of standard training practice of a little bit of racing over and under whatever your your particular goal distance is, especially if that isn't you know the marathon or the half marathon. But yeah, in particular, you know, you, you're targeting the half, but also some other distances. In my case, I'm going to try and target the 10K. So there will definitely be the opportunity for me to race under and over that throughout the course of the season. Anyway, so getting back to me and my non-plan plan, the strategy, as I said, was to is to try and do as many of these races as I can, keeping in mind that I, I will have to probably be a bit flexible and ditch some of them, but in the spirit of the racing under and over that kind of 10k distance, which I've kind of flagged as as a bit of a target for this season, there is within the Athletics Victoria program, there's a eight kilometer cross country, which is going to be over some pretty hilly terrain at a mm. winery out at Murniong, which is not too far from, from Ballarat. So I think that'll be a, a really good fitness and strength test for me. And that's not that far away now. It's probably ooh, three, three and a bit weeks away. So I've got a little mm. bit of time to get some more training into my legs and I know in in a coming episode we're going to talk about some specific sessions but I think I will do some specific sessions in preparation for that just to get used to running up and running downhill because having not having done that course yeah it it apparently is quite brutal and uh, (laughs) uh, I suspect it had some of the features of the the recent world cross-country championship so there could be mud there could be hills there could be obstacles I'm I'm expecting anything although I, I did hear Tim Crosby talking about it recently and they might have made some slight course modifications. So we've got four laps of two kilometres in in that one. And the the Bundura Cross Country, and although this is going to be over 10K, which is my kind of goal road racing distance, it's going to be a very different experience racing cross country on a on an undulating grassy kind of surface, um, probably a little bit of licorice all sorts on that one as well. So again, that one will be good stimulus for my plan and oh i don't know if i'm going to be doing that ekadon relay but <laughs> just reading down the program now uh, that um, looks fun, I, though. and I, it could be fun if i look if i can manage it that'll definitely be could be a fun one to do and the lap of the lake is coming up in not too many weeks in ballarat so that's going to be a the 6k is going to be probably a good kind of proxy test for how I'm going in terms of holding a 10k race pace because I'll have to back off a little bit off that 5k intensity um, but might give me a bit of a clue about what my if I can continue to build fitness what I might be able to do over the 10k so that one's going to be I think an important lead up race for me and yeah there's also (laughs) hopefully I can do this one but probably won't commit to it at this point but the sand down realize is always a kind of a fun one and again that's kind of around that sort of 6k distance for the the relay legs um, on the road so that one would definitely be a good hit out and that's a, a literally the week before the albert park 10k which is on the 10th of july so that one would be a good good really good hard testing hit out 
leading into the mm-hmm. 10K and, uh, again, would give me a good idea of how I am going. In terms of, well, so I guess my plan is to try and do a lot of those races to supplement that training that I've outlined in terms of just basically building up a little bit of that threshold kind of fitness and also just working on that that long-run endurance and maintaining pace there. I think that probably... If I was if I was really going to do this properly, I would be doing what you should do and really really look at that race date of the fourteenth of July. And if I had the time, the luxury of the time, I'd be planning out a specific, more of a specific progression in my training. I don't think it would would change markedly, but I'd probably find a way to build in some a little bit more five k VO two max intensity work in the lead up to that mm-hmm. race. But as a supplement to that, I'll just be doing these races, and that's where I'm going to get that that stimulus. But other than that, if you're if you're running the ten k and you're at you know my kind of level or even back a bit, that but just working on your basic endurance and working on your your lactate threshold, like you know you can't go too far wrong with that basic kind of approach. It's it's really meat and potatoes, right? Hey, what is your goal time for the ten k, and what's your PB? I can't remember. I don't know if we've ever <laughs> spoken about it. You might have mentioned it. It's thirty seven forty eight, and I did do oh, that at, this, at the old Sandown ten k course. But that was that's now going back nearly a decade. So mm. I actually have no idea what I'm what I'm going to run. I think you know when you and I were chatting early in the season, I might have been dreaming about <laughs> trying to get back down to that that level. I suspect that might not be realistic. I don't know. Probably won't won't put a specific number on at the moment. But um, if I can run under forty minutes, that that's always a a pretty good time for someone of my level. If you can, if you can run four minute K pace for ten Ks, you're doing a pretty good effort. So, if I can get get close to that or go under it, I think that would be that would be a pretty good result. Mm, look, I think that's such a good goal, and you know, don't underestimate four minute Ks is hard. Like it's it's hard. <laughs> you know, if well, we, you're a, we saw how hard <laughs> it was for me to break four minute Ks for five K, so. It's going to be hard. Uh, like it's not an easy task for the general public. Yes, you've got your exceptional runners who, you know, jog four-minute Ks, but we're not them. Yes. No. So I always think that's such a solid and, and really good target to try and hit and definitely don't underestimate it if you do actually manage to knock that target off. Exactly. And look, you know, even sort of taking it back a step and even, you know, breaking 50 minutes for 10K is a really good goal and, you know, a lot, a lot of people would be trying to break 60 minutes and, yeah. you know, they're all really good, worthy goals. And uh, if you, you know, plucked a bunch of people off the street on the way to your work, there wouldn't be that many of the general populace that would be even able to break 60 minutes for the 10K without sort of some kind of serious training program involved. So, yeah, any of those kind of uh, let, let's call them mid-pack recreational runner type goals. They're, they're definitely all worthy goals to aim for and should be celebrated if you can manage to achieve them. Yeah, no, exactly. And I'm sure if we looked through a lot of the main fun run results, I'm sure the average time would probably be 60 minutes plus for 10K. So um, could be, probably, could yeah, be. you're probably nudging the pointier end of the spectrum, Brian, if you get down to that. <laughs> <laughs> if I can do 40. If you can do 40. Yeah, well, look, you know, it's probably going to be not not a bad sort of time in the uh, the forty something age group as well. So, yeah, as long as I can not slow down too much as I'm aging, I'll probably remain at a reasonable level for the uh, the older gentleman categories. Uh, I've actually just looked up the average time of the Gold Coast. Uh, running festival last year for the 10 kilometers and it was 64 minutes oh there you go there you go so if you if you're cracking 60 and you're cracking 50 you're doing really well mm. <laughs> exactly very good so uh, look I, I probably haven't done the greatest job in outlining my plan but I, in summary i would say i'm, I'm just going to work on endurance i'm going to work on threshold and i'm going to do as many of these races over different lengths and conditions in order to to just get myself ready for having a good crack at that that 10k and look maybe maybe you don't need to make it more complicated than that and if you want to kind of plan it out in micro detail look you can definitely do that and oft mentioned the daniel's running formula and it's got lots of good programs that 
you could sort of pull apart and and use to prepare prepare yourself for for a 10k if that was what it what it was that you were going to focus on in your in your road racing mm. season yeah look i think the main takeaways are don't do the same distance you know every week don't try and race every week vary the the distance vary the terrain yep. and you know really continue to focus on that base and maybe throw in some vo2 max sessions in there yes especially if you're not racing i would i would suggest that if you're not racing on a regular basis you're probably going to need that more but yeah if you're racing some of these hard cross-country events you're definitely going to be in the vr2 max zone so (laughs) it'll be interesting to be able to report back my heart rate after i do that uh, st anne's winery run i suspect there'll be some pretty high numbers coming out of that Oh, I look forward to it. I saw the photos and the video footage last year of that and, you know, Cross Country and I are not friends. I've stated that before and that one (laughs) did not look friendly. So I will be sitting back and enjoying listening to your race recap that week. (laughs) Exactly. And look, I don't know whether we're doing it next week, but we're going to be talking about some specific Cross Country session ideas and I'm going to dream up a couple of weird and wonderful ones uh, (laughs) to try and prepare myself for that kind of undulating Cross Country experience. Yeah, well, that's exactly why we love you, Brian, isn't it? Your out-of-the-box strange ideas. <laughs> I'm an ideas man. What can I say? <laughs> they don't always work, but I'm prepared to, like, put them out there. Oh, very good. Well, what have you got coming up this week? Well, it's, it's this week is going to be more of the same, so it'll be a similar strategy to what I outlined for my the previous week with the added addition of trying to sneak out an extra one or two Ks for each of those kind of easy runs that I do and to try and do a threshold session and that's hopefully going to happen tomorrow morning. And, yeah, I'm just just really not even going to put any pace expectations on that. I'm just going to do that one by heart rate and just see, just let my body tell me what it's prepared to give and uh, and I'll probably try and bang out about 20 minutes or so with some easy running on either side of it and, and that'll be good solid hour and yeah back in the forest again on the weekend and there is races going on this saturday but i'm being very unobsessive about my running and on saturday i'm actually going to learn how to make gnocchi so there's not going to be any racing (laughs) oh my god between book festivals and pasta making who are you becoming (laughs) oh well you know we're not all one thing, Lisa, so, you know, it's good to uh, explore these other parts of and other interests that you have. And given I live in central Victoria, which is a, a known potato-growing area, if I can master the art of gnocchi, I'd pretty much be have my food supply sorted. Oh, look, some people might be calling this a midlife crisis, but uh, I'll worry <laughs> when you turn up in the Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that's not going to happen. Uh, so what about you? Well, this week is actually Mother's Day in Australia, um, so this weekend... My gift is to leave my children at home whilst I uh, rendezvous in the Blue Mountains. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> so I've got a lovely getaway uh, with a bunch of friends. We're actually going for a running weekend, so it's going to be amazing. So I've hired a house, open fire, going to run some amazing, beautiful trails. So I will be able to finally talk about some lovely forest paths like yourself. And awesome. there'll be. Uh, hang on, isn't the idea of Mother's Day to spend time with your children? or is the reward that you get away from them? Is that, I think that's my confused. reward. I'm going to get to <laughs> sleep in a full night's sleep. And the only person I need to worry about in the morning is myself. It's going to be absolute bliss. <laughs> so that's going to be great and we've got a really long run planned on the Sunday. Oh, I shouldn't say really long. It's 20 kilometres uh, and hopefully I'll, I'll make that intact. I've got my amazing physio on the Friday, wine, pizza and an open fire on the Saturday and a long run through the forest on the Sunday. So I'm going to be smiling come Monday when we talk next. Excellent. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that and maybe that is a good time to wrap it. So you have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. We'll catch you next week.